All right, fools, this episode of the QTR podcast is brought to you by my patrons. Patrons are people that sign up and donate a monthly recurring sum to help support the podcast. I'm going to shout some of those people out, and then we'll get on with the show. First and foremost, I want to shout out my supporters over at JM Bullion, my exclusive gold and silver providers, the only place I have ordered my gold and silver bullion from over the last couple of years. I love JM Bullion. They've been in business For a decade now, they've done over $3 billion in sales. They have great inventory. They turn around my orders very quickly, and they ship discreetly. And not only that, QTR podcast listeners have their own wonderful uh, representative at the company, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at jmbullion.com is her email address. If you need anything at all, you can reach out to her. If you don't feel like dealing with the hassle of going through the website, if you have any questions about buying bullion maybe it's your first time personally i love the website there's plenty of inventory i never have an issue with the website but just in case you need it laura is there for qtr podcast listeners just let her know that you are a podcast listener and she'd be happy to help you out laura at jmbullion.com this podcast also brought to you by my friends over at doomberg doomberg is one of my favorite sub stacks to read i love doomberg they take a skeptical austrian lens on the market with a little bit of snark, but they know what they're talking about. I love reading their articles about energy and commodities. Really a breath of fresh air out there. And another, like George Gammon, about to just blow past me on the podcasting and Substack highway, which I'm very happy to see. I don't really care about those types of things. It's nice when I see my friends do well. I really like it. And to be frank with you, we just need people that are sensible, that aren't total assholes out there with a voice, and Doomberg uh, is one of those people, uh, or one of those collectives, whatever you would like to refer to them as. Uh, you can sign up for Doomberg's Substack. Uh, the link is in my podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by my friend George Gammon over at Rebel Capitalist Pro. George has teamed up with Chris McIntosh and Lynn Alden and Brent Johnson and a ton of other people that are much smarter than I will ever be to help figure out the world of -of out-of-control central banks and deliver that information to you so you can try to preserve the wealth that you have before Klaus Schwab shows up in his Burning Man attire that, uh, you see that photo? I don't think it's probably Photoshop. That fucking photo of him in that thong. You imagine that fucking guy showing up at your door? Holy shit. Uh, but anyways, before Klaus Schwab rids you of all that pesky personal property that you have and puts a microchip into the front of your fucking forehead. George Gammon's trying to figure out exactly uh, how to navigate the world of globalization and out-of-control central banks and global elites and all the people, you know, anybody that you can find in that festival out in uh, in Vegas that they do, whatever it is, the Bilderberg group, you know, everybody gets uh, together and jerks off in front of a flaming owl. Yeah, that's fucking totally normal. Anyways, uh, <laughs> George Gammon... Rebel Capitalist Pro, I love their um, mock portfolios, too. I follow Lynn Alden's content on there, which I love. Um, George, Rebel Capitalist, you know him. Very famous on YouTube. Uh, runs a big fucking conference and all this shit now every year. George is crushing it. Wonderful guy. Send him some love. This podcast also brought to you by my friends over at the Sang Lucci Steam Room, who I gave a shout-out to this week because I bought some Robin Hood calls on the morning that... Uh, Senor Wall Street Jesus pointed out that the call-to-put ratio was severely out of whack. And as my blog uh, readers know, I love Robinhood uh, as an investment here. I think it'll get bought out. 
Uh, yes, I know, I can hear your sneers and your skepticism already, but fuck you, um, because that morning it broke, Bloomberg broke a story that Sam Bankman-Fried was apparently interested in buying Robinhood, and it you know went up 10 or 15%. So that was a great score on those options, and it's all thanks to Wall Street Jesus. These guys have a platform for doing things like this. It's called the Steam Room. They've been doing it for a decade now. Uh, it's a wonderful piece of software that helps track options flow specifically for shit like this. Because when you see a lot of Steam and options, sometimes it means there's some fuckery afoot. And if you don't trade like a herb, like I usually do, you can sometimes uh, use it to uh, do well and to benefit yourself. Of course, not investment advice. Take all risks on your own. Look up any of these people. Lucci, Gammon, Doomberg, JM Bullion. Tell them the Q-Man sent you, and they will do their best to make sure that they get you whatever the best possible shit they can get you at the time. Look, I got an arrangement worked out with these guys. I like all of them. They like me back. It's a very fruitful relationship. Everybody feels good about it. Uh, what else is going on? This podcast also brought to you by, I don't have the fucking list. Let's get started. We're, <laughs> I got Mark Spiegel on the line today. By the way, some Tesla news just broke. And so that's why I kind of uh, called Spiegel up real quick. Let me see if I can get him on the line and we'll get started. Oh, by the way, three drink minimum. And obviously I'm not an investment advisor. I hold no licenses, no registrations. And uh, generally have no idea what I'm talking about. So please, this is not financial advice. I beg of you, don't listen to anything that I say or my guests. If you think I'm terrible, wait till you hear my guest today. He's the worst. <laughs> All right, I had to get Mark Spiegel on the line today because uh, I just saw these headlines that just broke. And I'm not even sure. Did you see them yet, Mark? The ones that I just sent you? And also, I hello. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I know it's been a while. I did see the headlines, yeah, that, that Tesla just laid off all those uh, people from the full self-dying program, yes. Yeah, what do you make of that? Uh, so, it's here's, a good here, here's the headlines. Excuse me. Tesla lays off hundreds of autopilot employees in California is the first one. And then there was another one that said they are closing uh, an office in San Mateo. Is that an autopilot office? I don't even know what they have in San Mateo. Uh, according to the according to the longer story, yes. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else in that office besides autopilot. Um, look, I mean, the guy who heads the program took that four month, you know, quote unquote sabbatical. Parpathy. Uh, I don't know if he's back either. Um, but look, I mean, the program is obviously shit. I mean, right. They keep putting <laughs> out revisions. It you know, it crosses lines. It goes through traffic it slams on the brakes they haven't made any progress on this thing it's dangerous you just saw the everyone out there i'm sure saw the nhtsa stuff from earlier this month about how many crashes it's involved with and you know but i, I don't know i mean i don't know if he's going to claim that that he's going to consolidate these jobs into china i mean once part of the story said that these people were labeling data so maybe it's cheaper to hire people overseas to do that i, I don't know well for people that don't know let them know what's going on with the NHTSA and autopilot right now, if you can. Just give them the abridged summary. Well, the NHTSA has been, quote-unquote, investigating, you know, this abomination of a program for, like, years. Um, and, in fact, the NTSB, which advises it, told them years ago to ban the stupid thing. But apparently they've upgraded it now to what they call an engineering study, 
which, uh, which I should say they have upgraded it to an engineering state. And apparently that's like the last step before you demand that it gets recalled. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of pressure going on there. The other interesting question is, look, maybe it means nothing, but why the hell hasn't Musk tweeted in an entire week I noticed as of that now? Too. Yeah, that's, that's the longest stretch I ever recall seeing. And the last two times he took any kind of a break from Twitter – one was in 2020, I believe, and one was in 2018. He actually gave a heads up. He tweeted, I'm taking a few days off from Twitter. I'm taking a while off from Twitter. And even then, he couldn't stay away very long. So it's kind of a weird situation. I don't know what's going on. Some, like, dopey fangirl uh, blogger uh, apparently claimed that she saw him uh, yesterday or the day before for an interview and and that he was fine and very happy and blah, blah, blah. But who knows if that's true or bullshit, you know? Yeah, it's definitely interesting, the fact that he's taken a week off of Twitter, which, you know, it doesn't really gel with at least what his recent vibe has been, which has been, you know, kind of his usual batshit crazy all over the place kind of kind of self on Twitter. But you got all these things going on, right? You have the NHTSA. By, by the way, First off, I don't know what the hell took them so long. You know, the NTSB recommended that they look at autopilot. It feels like two years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. And the NHTSA has just turned a blind eye. Meanwhile, these things are smashing into inanimate objects, smashing through the, you know, storefronts, killing people left and right. And the NHTSA just, just hasn't showed up. Well, two things. First, I was going to say, and you said it in a different way, they're, all, they're also crashing into animate objects. <laughs> right. But, but yes, I believe it was January of 2020, if I'm not mistaken, that the NTSB held a special, unprecedented press conference uh, complaining that, that the NHTSA was ignoring all of its recommendations <laughs> right. and demanding that this thing be recalled. Now, that was Trump's NHTSA. You know, Trump was the guy who, who by the way, when Trump was running— um, Musk explicitly endorsed Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and laughed at the idea of Trump being president. And yet Trump actually said at one point, we must protect our geniuses, referring to Musk, which to me says, OK, you know, what does this guy have on Trump? Right. Because Trump never forgets a slight. Right. <laughs> Trump to do that. There must have been something going on there. But at any rate, it was Trump's NHTSA that was refusing to crack down on this, even though the NTSB was like demanding it and held a press conference. So it's a different story here, apparently under Biden. For the first time in years, actually, the NHTSA just appointed a full-time permanent director. Before that, there were only like assistants who were acting directors or something. So, you know, we'll see if something happened. Of course, if it happens, it's billions of dollars potentially in refunds. You know, maybe more. Maybe a recall. You mean if a recall happens? If a recall happens, yeah. What, yeah. what would that mean financially and operationally for Tesla if they had to recall full self-driving? The first thing that immediately comes to mind is all the fucking deposits that they've taken, right? Well, so when you say deposits, you're talking about actually um, uh, cash that's deferred revenue. So there's right. there's a bunch of there's revenue they've only partially realized. But, you know, they took in the cash and, and no, knowing those guys probably fucking spent it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there, there are three facets to this thing. The way I see it are three possibilities. One is they have to uh, refund. Of course, they won't. They'll go kicking or, and screaming and, and get sued. 
but that they would have to refund, you know, probably like a low single digit billion dollar amount of, um, you know, of this product that they've sold. I don't know what the number is. I think I think NHTSA said like 800 and something thousand cars in this country. And then and then, you know, I don't know how many there are overseas, but, you know, let's just pull a number out of our butt and say a million cars. And even though it now costs, you know, twelve thousand dollars, you know, let's say that that they sold it at an average of of eight thousand dollars. Again, I'm just making up a number. So actually, it would be a high single digit. I said low. So that could be up to eight billion dollars. They got to pay back or or some chunk of it. Right. Because and then the other thing is, you know, I mean, if you're a good class action lawyer, you could put together a case that says, hey, my client only bought this sixty thousand dollar car right. because he thought it would drive him to work one day. Otherwise, right. you know, otherwise he would have bought a Mercedes or, or uh, you know, or a BMW or whatever. So we want the whole fucking price of the car back now i you know so there's a big liability and then of course the second facet of this is you know even though people such as you and i and probably everybody listening to this podcast knows that this system is crap there is a a massive part of the general public that still is under the illusion that these cars can drive themselves right. and, that, and, and that the system isn't crap so clearly the stock gets substantially revalued right because it, it you know instead of selling at a hundred times earnings you know it's it's a fucking car company and and then the other thing is um 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 besides besides that revaluation sales it sells fewer cars because fewer people go out and buy it because they think that they're going to get a, a car that drives itself so yeah yeah um, it's, know, it's, a, it's a like problem. a question not only financially for the company because having an issue refunds or the costs associated with the recall would be tremendous but it's also a question of what it means psychologically for their buyers for their fanboys for the general public like you said not everybody follows this story as closely as we have not everybody knows that this autopilot and full self-driving you know are just basically dog shit i mean they're just not what they've been uh sold to be and it's funny i was listening to Bill Maher on Friday, and I uh, I like Bill Maher. Actually, it wasn't his show; it was his podcast with Adam Carolla. Um, and they're talking about Elon Musk, and you know, talking about what a genius he is. And I was just thinking, like, you know, Bill Maher, pretty. Sh I think he's a pretty sharp guy. I enjoyed listening to him. You know, if these people haven't really still figured out what kind of guy Musk really is, the public really the public really doesn't yeah. have much of a clue either. So, you know, the question becomes psychologically. What could it mean if the public turns on, and this would be fucking Dateline, this would be NBC News, this would be national news. Tesla has to recall its autopilot. If that happened, you know, what, what would the effect be to their potential consumer base and, and really to their brand equity? Well, don't forget, I mean, there was a documentary that got pretty good publicity, right? Uh, I think it was last month that the New York Times documentary group put together. Um, where did it run? Did it run on, on PBS, I think? You know, about about how dangerous this thing is. But, you know, but that said, you're right. I mean, a lot of people who should know better don't. And, you know, yeah, this is this is going to mean a lot. I, I agree. It'll mean a lot. But look, I mean, you know, to take a step back here, I mean, look, this is something I've been talking about for years and years and years, and finally it's coming to fruition is how many other great EVs there are out there. So even if Musk, you know, was not a lying scumbag, 
even if autopilot wasn't about to get recalled. I mean, objectively speaking, there are a number of EVs now that are that are better than any Tesla, right? The the Ionic Five from Hyundai, its sister car, the you know the EV6. The the Mustang Mach E is certainly the equal of any Tesla. The Mercedes EQS is ni- much nicer than a Model S. You know, I could go on. The BMW iX is a is a you know Tesla is now trailing edge, par- partially because. You know, Musk has been spending so much time, I think, and so distracted with so much other crap. I mean, those dumbass single lane death trap tunnels, right? Wiring up shit to monkeys' brains. You know, in, in fairness, it'd probably be more intelligent than wiring them up to, to Tesla shareholders' brains. You know, um, buying Twitter. You know, there's all this shit going on, and he's like, he's kept t- t- taking his eye off the ball when everyone else has their eye on the ball. You know, so. Yeah, and they're I, just I, I mean, look. They're just not, and I don't want to sound like uh, you know this is primitive research. But if you take Uber a lot, which I do, yeah, you ride in a lot of different cars, more cars than I would ever normally ride in. So just over the last week, you know, I rode in two Teslas, but I've also ridden in uh, a actually a Lexus hybrid. I rode in a Toyota hybrid. I rode in. Uh, a Hyundai that I think was a pure uh, EV. Um, yeah, I've been in a million different cars. And I rode in a Tesla yesterday. And I was sitting in the back seat. And I was just looking at the stitching. So the first thing I noticed was, it was a Model 3. The first thing I noticed was the display up front. And I've been in a Tesla a million times. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, because I'm always thinking about the market and I'm always thinking about companies and investing. I'm looking at the display. I say, okay, you know, the the display is is kind of nice. I could understand how it would be uh nice to have. The fucking thing dings though. Every time you're in city traffic, I'm sure you can turn it off, but in city traffic, you know, every time somebody gets within three feet of the car, ding, 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 I'd be like, that would annoy the fuck out of me. I'd be like, shut up and let me drive. You know, I think I think if I was driving a Tesla on the daily Part of me would just be like, I don't want all this shit. Like, just just let me drive. Like, I'm a good driver. Let me drive. But anyways, I can understand how when it came out two, three years ago, even when the Model S came out, how it did really look. And the other thing's the fucking door handles. You know, getting in, getting out of the car. It's always a fucking project. Anyways, uh, I can understand how a couple years ago there was some appeal to that. You know, I saw a guy in the parking lot of the Acme the other day fumbling with his Model X gullwing doors it's like all right like they look cool and then at a certain point it's like you know what you know does the functionality help here at all or is this wasting my time and you know it's wasting people's time but I'm sitting in the back and I'm looking at the stitching I'm looking at the moonroof I'm like ah, you know that's kind of nice you know you can see out both sides of the uh, you know the, the front and the passenger side but I'm looking at the stitching on the leather on the door and on the back of the seat and on the seat that I'm sitting in and the leather itself, if it's leather or I don't know if it's leather or pleather, it just looks terrible. Like it, it looks cheap. It looks, you know, the stitching was uneven. You could just tell it was hastily put together. The door panel didn't look perfect. I was just thinking, man, you know, I've sat in enough really nice cars like a nice Mercedes, you know, look, even even a nice Honda, a new Honda. 
you know, where those are the kind of things that they, they just have nailed down. And I'm wondering, you know, how long until people say this really isn't that luxury, number one. Now, you know, the answer to your question is they're, they're saying it now. I mean, nobody who cross shops a Hyundai Ionic 5, a Kia EV6, I dare say a, a, a Mustang Mach-E, you know, on the high end, uh, you know, a Mercedes EQS, the new BMW iX, you know, the new Mercedes, um, um, uh, the the electric version of the GLS. I forget what they're calling that one. Um, you know, e- EQS SUV. I think they're calling it. Anyway, the Porsche Taycan. No one who who sits in those cars and buys the comparable Tesla. It just doesn't happen. Except except Tesla has a short term major league production advantage while these other companies you know build out their factories so like hyundai can make a hundred thousand a year each of the ionic five and the kia they could you know there's a longer wait for those than any tesla there was actually a bloomberg article about it they could probably sell you know three times as many of those as they're selling if not more the the mustang mach e completely sold out for 2022 about a month ago they weren't even taking any more orders for this year but ford is tripling production you know by sometime next year so you know the, the tesla's product is 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 fucking done tesla's product for anyone who educates themselves in the market is now your second third or fourth choice you only buy it if you need a car uh, and you, and you need it now, and you can't wait till next year when everything else ramps up. That does not justify a seven hundred billion dollar market cap for a company predicated on some astounding dominance, you know, in the year twenty thirty five or whatever the hell the idiots are looking at here. So, well, why is the it, why is the valuation still where it is now? I mean, the- it's it's a it's a deflating bubble. It, it's what it is. It's a deflating bubble. Now, I, I will tell you something interesting. I, I had a call yesterday with with the smartest and best educated, maybe the only smart and well-educated Tesla bulls I've ever spoken with. Um, a couple of guys at a very large fund, uh, obviously, which I'm not going to name, that have a long position. Just, and they, just they name per- it. What fund? <laughs> no, and it was a it was a great discussion. Come on, you know, do it. Was, it was a do it. Name it. Five, four, no, no, it three, was, it two, was, one. <laughs> name it. Name it. it was say a, it. Arc management. No, I'm kidding. It, <laughs> it, it was it was a great it was a great fun civil discussion because they're not religionists, you know. Right, like if right, they change yep. their mind on this thing in 15 minutes, they they dump it or short it, right? So they were very very objective, and they acknowledged like all these objective points and and and, and but their whole the whole bull case was was the belief that Tesla has a, a production cost advantage, which is sustainable. And, of course, there were two answers to that. Number one, their numbers are bullshit, and I gave these guys some example. So we don't even know if they have even a temporary cost advantage. But if they do have a cost advantage now, that just goes away because everyone else is building new factories and, and getting gigapresses if there's some advantage to that and, and getting whatever. So I guess what I'm saying is, Speaking to a couple of really smart guys in a great conversation made me more sure than ever about about, you know, having this large short position, which we have. And thank God, you know, it's finally working out for us really well. I mean, you know, after years of of me paying Musk 
you know, rent for living in my head. He's now paying me rent. So, you know, but to answer your question, look, it's a deflating bubble, right? As we talk right now, it's at 695 a share after hours. And it got as high as what, 1200 and something, right? So, you know, more and more people are realizing what's going on there. The other thing we should talk about, you know, we haven't seen the impact yet, but um, he has, I mean, I would guess pulling pulling a number out of my butt that, you know, in this country, 75% of the Tesla buyers were, were Democrats, right? Or 80% of them. And he yeah. has completely lost them now. He's completely lost them, you know, by pandering, you know, to, to the Republicans, declaring himself a Republican, whatever. And I think, I mean, I see on my TweetDeck column, I, you know, I keep TweetDeck different columns for a number of different stocks I own. And one of them I have for, you know, Tesla and Musk. Only for blue check marks, because otherwise it would just be overwhelming. And I see so many blue check marks who are like, I was going to buy a Tesla. I will never fucking buy one ever. And, you know, I own a Tesla and trading it in ASAP and getting an Ionic 5 or, or whatever. So he's 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 going to hurt himself with that crap. And well, he's, he's and not he's, gonna, and yeah, he's go losing whatever favor he has with these government agencies. You know, I think. Well, there's, right. There's, it, you know, what, whatever goodwill he had with the NHTSA, whatever goodwill he had. The other one I wanted to ask you about is the SEC. I mean, I just get this feeling that there's something going on behind the scenes. I like, you know, I, I hate to say it. I, I like Gary Gensler. Everything I've seen from the guy so far since he's been in office, and I understand that, you know, the the, the regulators, they, they can't move at a super quick speed. They have to be methodical. They have to be thorough. They have a limited amount of resources. Everything that Gary Gensler has said or done, for the most part, since he's been uh, in charge, I've agreed with. I get this feeling that he is not a pushover, and I get this feeling that, I, and this is just, I'm making shit up here, but I just have this feeling that if I were him and I saw the tone that Musk has taken with regard to, you know, the the, the Twitter sitter settlement and, and the comments that he's made publicly disparaging the SEC, that he would be inclined to say, you know, what what can we get this guy on? Like, you know, and, and what, you know, All right, where, so where, let me, what do you think? Let me let me respond to that. First, bigger picture, you said, you know, he's burning his bridges with this administration by going Republican. Well, a number of people theorize, as do I, that the reason he went Republican is um, that there's a lot of bad shit that's crashing down on him right. from this administration. And he needs so a he's hoping, right. right. So he's hoping he can he can go Republican, claim that this was all politics and then benefit you know, of Congress switches in, 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 you know, this November's elections. To your point about Gensler, I don't know what to think about Gensler. Certainly this stuff about having companies spend probably thousands of person hours putting together their climate change risks, yeah, well, I think is, I think is moronic, okay? Um, Gensler, you know, I, I did have some hope when he took office because I figured, well, at least he's a smart guy, ex-Goldman partner or whatever, and he probably is a smart guy. But as I recall, you know, he had to reveal his personal stock holdings before he took office and, and sell them, right? And he owned Tesla, right? The only, the only individual stock he owned was <laughs> Tesla. Right. And, it, and it isn't as if he owned this in 2015, 2016, 2017. He owned it after Musk had done the 420 fraudulent tweet that was in 2018 
He owned Tesla and personally in 2020. So, I mean, what am I supposed to think about an SEC head who had a personal investment in a company where the guy pulled off the, the you know, where Musk pulled the, the CEO of the company pulled off the, 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 the most blatant securities fraud in history? So let me that's a long winded way of saying I don't I don't put much faith or hope in Gensler on this issue. But, hey, Fair maybe enough. he'll and surprise us. Let me interject you know? real quick before you keep going. There's a there was a great interview, Grant's um, podcast, Grant's, Grant's Interest Rate Observer with Doug Sifu from uh, Virtue, the uh, um, market maker okay. company, where he yeah. talks about how burdensome that type of stuff is, you know, the climate change disclosures, et cetera. So if anybody wants to hear more on that, Doug Sifu interview is very good. Keep going. Yeah, well, no, I mean, that's it. So that's those are the reasons why I, I don't have much hope in Gensler. I mean, you know, cl- clearly... Clearly, and to some extent, Gensler was handed a pile of shit by Jay Clayton, who was right. the worst SEC chair in history, who, you know, justified not throwing out Musk when this company had a, you know, 60 or 70 billion dollar market cap, you know, like essentially one twentieth of what it grew to at one point. He justified not throwing him out because, well, so much of this high stock price is due to the due to Musk. And if we throw him out, the shareholders will get hurt. I mean, you know, so I don't know if Clayton's a moron or a crook or what, but it's that's the dumbest thing I've heard. Because of course, after if, that, if he didn't, you got all kinds of scams. If he didn't going throw out, him out, yeah. the fucking board should have thrown him out after that. I remember going on a hedge eye first and last yeah. hedge eye well, event I was ever invited to, and just losing my shit because I couldn't believe the board of directors allowed it to happen. Well, the, each member of the board of directors had a you know a, a nine figure reason to to. <laughs> <laughs> to back him. <laughs> I mean, if you look at how much money those fucking scumbags pulled out of this company over the years, it's just mind boggling. I mean, everyone from the chair cow on down, right? I mean, you, you know, the, the retarded Murdoch and, 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 you know, obviously the even more retarded Ellison younger resigned, brother. right? Did Ellison just uh, resign from the board? Ellison, he just resigned, but I guess it's not effective, I assume, until the next shareholder meeting when he's replaced and then of course he will undoubtedly immediately dump his stock i mean you know i guess to his credit he you know well at one point he i you know at one point he probably had a a 10x in this thing right? right something like that if not more you know now that now whatever he had is cut in half but it's still a pretty fat profit you know definitely multiple billions he put a billion in i don't know what what price but you know, he's still got a massive gain there. But, you know, but look, Ellison, he, I think Ellison is probably in many ways much smarter than Musk. But, you know, from what I've heard, I mean, you know, Oracle put out plenty of vaporware, too. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about the intersection of Tesla and wonderful active managers and Bitcoin and all the other things I want to ask you about by uh, talking about Kathy Wood. Uh, she's actually sold some of her Tesla, hasn't she, over the last like six six months? Well, she's reduced she its always... she's reduced its weighting in the uh, flagship ETF, right? Yes. The last I looked, which coincidentally was this morning, because that bimbo was on TV this morning, so I was curious what she owned these days. Um, I I think the Tesla position was down to about eight and a half percent. She had always said she would keep it at around. 10%. But, you know, as Jim Chanos, I think he's the first guy, but other people said it and I said it on Twitter. You know, when it came out yesterday that she's had, Bloomberg had a story that, that she's had all these inflows, you know, into her fund recently. I saw that, and, yeah. 
you know, I, I mean, he was the first guy who said it. I, I don't know, remember his exact words, but basically, you're nowhere near the bottom of a bear market when someone like that is still getting inflows. Right. I think he he's he's much more polite and diplomatic than I am. So he I is. think he said he's something a like, "Chanos is a yeah, gentleman." He, well, yeah, you know, he's also got institutional investors, and, and my investors are all like ex hedge fund guys who just don't give a fuck. But um, <laughs> you know, they're all like they're all kind of like me. But but um, you know, but anyway, yeah. So I think he said something like, "Oh, I thought everyone was supposed to be." you know, bearish. And then he was right. highlighting that story, you know, so she's had, um, but, a, yeah, so, she's had a lot of inflows throughout the, uh, throughout the last year. I mean, since, since that thing has gone from 120 to 40, there's <laughs> been, there's been inflows. Still. I sure. So th that thing, even though we were short a lot of Tesla, which actually last year, I think went up a lot, you know, I had a massive short position in arc. I, I shorted it, uh, in the one forties, I wound up covering it, I think, in January in the upper 70s, which obviously in hindsight was was way too early. But, you know, I looked at it as I think and we talked about this maybe the last time I was on the show or the time before that. I looked at ARC not as a single short position, but just as shorting you know, the worst of the worst. Yeah, one stop shopping yeah. <laughs> for you know for for 45 different Dog pieces shit. of garbage or right. maybe 40 out of 45 or whatever. So I had no problem putting on a massive short position there, which I did, and it and it worked out well. Except I covered it too early. But so I have no to be clear, I have I have no position in Arc, and I haven't had one since the seventies. But I sure as hell wouldn't get long that crap here. I just I don't know where it ultimately. Well, no, and, and the thing the thing is with Arc, you know, look, there's one or two names in that flagship fund that I would consider possibly at these levels. But the point is, you know, at the time you couldn't have picked a better basket of crap. Everything in that fucking portfolio trades, you know, 40 times sales, 80 times earnings, you know, no fucking, some of them don't even have revenue, I don't think. But, you know, not many of them turn a profit. Not many of them generate cash. It's like if you if you employed somebody to go out and find the worst shit at the top of the bubble, they couldn't if you had, if you had a team of NASA scientists and engineers from fucking MIT and the best institutions in the world and you sat them down a hundred of them at a table and you provided them with unlimited funding and you know a case of Red Bull and cocaine and whatever else they would need for you know the course of six months and you said don't come out of this fucking room until you have the absolute worst of the worst. They couldn't have come up. They couldn't have come up with a better compendium of flaming bags of crap than she did in that. So, anyways, one of the things I've written about, I was I was writing last year, coming into 2022, and suggesting that tech could be in for uh, a rude awakening. But as I continued to write coming into this year, is you know that that thing went from 120 or 150 to 40. But imagine where it would be if Tesla really re-rated, right? Where would it really where would it be if Tesla re-rated right now? If it went from six hundred and ninety-five to three hundred, what would happen to ARC? You know? It's like Bitcoin. Everybody thinks that, you know, oh the bottom's in, Mark. You know, everybody's saying, well, you know, we crashed from 60,000 to 20,000. This is one of those typical Bitcoin drawdowns. You've seen a lot of malinvestment come out of the system. That fucking idiot Mashinsky, 
you know, is filing for bankruptcy. You got all these other morons, all these other companies promising, you know, 15, 20% yield on their crypto and everything. All that shit now has been washed out to sea, which, by the way, is great. And you have, all, you know, a real crunch where you got a guy like Sam Bankman-Fried who's coming in. He's bailing out some of these companies. And there's some real pain in crypto starting. But it's like over the last, like, week or two, all of a sudden everybody has adopted this attitude. Like, oh, well, we've consolidated, you know, and everybody has refied, Mark. All the bailouts that need to happen to all these dog shit companies are starting to happen, you know. But it's like, okay, well, once everybody readjusts themselves and more dry powder comes off the sideline and everybody refinances and everybody's in agreeance and, you know, uh, a little bit more leverage gets taken on to, to buy a little bit more here. What happens if that tanks another 50% from here? What happens if we wake up tomorrow and it's at $10,000? Oh, boy. Well, it's funny that you should say that because I was just talking about Bitcoin today with one of my LPs and looking at the chart. And in fact, for a while, Bitcoin traded at about, you know, high 30,000s up to maybe 40,000. And then all of a sudden it took a big leg down into the, you know, mid 20s up to about 30,000. And then it traded there for a while. It's like a like a like a like a stair step down. I'm looking here on a chart now. Actually, one, two, three, four, five, nine, uh, it, maybe for 20 days or so. And then last week, it took another big leg down of about another twelve thousand dollars. So the next step from here, if it went down another, you know, actually about eleven thousand dollars, the next step would be about ten thousand dollars, right? And it's due for that sometime in the next 10 days or so if it's sort of stair-stepping down. And I think it will do that. And yes, to your point, there's a lot of cross-ownership probably, you know, between Bitcoin and ARK and Tesla and all that crap. And yeah, it's it's it, Bitcoin crashing is definitely going to impact Tesla. And more than just the fact that Tesla owns, you know, some relatively small amount of Bitcoin. No, forget, but, about, forget about Tesla. I mean, yeah. just Bitcoin crashing in general. I mean, if it if it dumps another, the point is, look, you think sixty thousand, twenty thousand was pain. What about everybody again that refinanced, bailed out, took their dry powder off the sidelines, doubled down, et cetera, et cetera? Here, you know, twenty thousand to ten thousand, you might even see even more pain, more leverage getting uh, liquidated, more blowups, more of these altcoins. You know, I mean, I think there's some real pain still to come in in crypto. Yeah, no, I agree, and and there's overlap there. I mean, I, wasn't Wood just talking about crypto today? How great it was! I think I saw that quote. I didn't actually Probably. watch it with the sound. Why on. is it yeah. great? Well, I think it's I, I I think it's great that she's doing that because it means she's going to get destroyed even more when crypto <laughs> takes another leg <laughs> yeah, down. But, yeah, but why does she say it's great? Why does she say? Because she's a fucking moron, and she's promoting. <laughs> She's promoting whatever is like, you know, whatever she thinks is the hot thing of the day. Listen, one day we have to find out. I think you might have even written about this. How much of or how much of a run up was thanks to Bill Huang? You know, we just don't really know. Well, Obviously, we there's know no evidence. There's no evidence. There, there's none. OK, there's no evidence that any of her run up has to do with Bill Huang. But what we, yeah. what we know is here's what we know. Right. We know that Bill Huang went after highly shorted stocks. And we know that he, um, I think we know that he was manipulating them higher. I don't know if we know for certain whether he was using options or not, but he was definitely, 
he was definitely going after the highest shorted names. And we know that the two of them are at least acquaintances. He, you know, backed her from the beginning and they knew each other. Yeah, from they're, church they're or more whatever. than acquaintances. So there's no states you there's you're more than an acquaintance. Right. Yeah. But there's no proof that there, you know, that there's anything having to do with Tesla, you know, and the two of them. Having said that, I have, as everybody that listens to this podcast know, have had long standing issue with the way that Tesla went up at the you know, at the end of 2019, heading into 2020, I had a real problem with that. It started in December 2019. I remember seeing ridiculous, long dated, out of the money call buys to the point where when I saw them before this was a story and before the equity started going higher, I thought to myself, something strange is going on here. Why would people, because I'd never seen any kind of action like that before. It was 2019 and people were going into the 2023s and the 2024s. The stock was at 100 or 200 or whatever and people were going into the 800 strike, you know, for 5 million, $10 million buys. And I'm like, man, this is fucking weird. And I remember the coffee shop I was sitting at when I first saw it. I was sitting at a coffee shop in Lansdale, Pennsylvania called Backyard Beans, I think, or Brickyard Beans. Anyways, good coffee. Uh... And I just and this is right when the World Health Organization started holding these press conferences on COVID, and the two things were happening at once. And I remember watching the chart of Tesla. Just you know, every day after that, the call buys kept coming in, and the equity kept rocketing higher. And then they posted that one quarter where they put up you know their first quote unquote profitable quarter or whatever, and the stock went bananas. But it was so obviously not just buying. You know, it was so obviously from at least in in part, it was obvious to me that it had to do with the options purchases and the market makers having to hedge that out. And so it was bizarre. So what we know is there were some options activity throughout 2020 that I personally found bizarre and that Kathy Wood and Ross Gerber were the beneficiary of Tesla going through the roof and that Kathy Wood you know, was friends or acquaintances with Bill Huang who came under fire for manipulating highly shorted stocks. But that's all we know. That's that's like where well, the buck stops here. And by else. the way, let me say one more thing. Let me say one more thing. Kathy Wood does not get on the news, become a CNBC mainstay, gain the notoriety she has. She None of that if Tesla doesn't make that move. None of that. Her entire quote-unquote fame, okay, Yes. Is, is based yeah. on that one move in Tesla. Same with fucking Gerber. You know, as soon as Tesla goes through the roof, all of a sudden this fucking guy's on every program. Well, oh, you know, tell us about your strategies. Like, what do you think? You know, he's doing debates with Peter Schiff. Like, the guy couldn't even fucking wash Peter Schiff's jockstrap. You know, he's on there trying to debate him on inflation. Give me a break. Sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, no. Um, what I was going to say is there's one other person besides Kathy Wood who um, happened to, uh, if the stock price went up enough, would become oh my the, God. The rich, Elon Musk, yeah. the, the richest person in the world. So if I'm the SEC, I take a real good fucking look at that. You oh, know, yeah. and, you know, to the point about Ross Gerber, I know I joke about this all the time with um, on, on Twitter with Kabuko, but I still can't believe because Kabuko is like the master of pointing out how stupid this guy is with it, you know, as, as they used to say, hanging him on his own petard, just putting his own tweets up there and letting him sit there. Um, I can't believe that's not like some kind of parody performance art. Like, 
I don't know, you're probably not old enough, but, you know, Andy Kaufman used to do these characters and he would just never break character. You know, he did that. He did that rude lounge singer. You know, he would do this stuff. And like and it was like almost like performance art, except that apparently there were a number of people who went to Penn with Gerber and remembering. So, and they said he was like that back then. So yeah, I don't even need to, I don't need just, to go to Penn like the, to remember huh? him. I worked at a bar in Philadelphia called McGillan's for like six years, which was yeah. like the place where all the Penn students went. And I know Ross Gerber because I've seen him a million times come in there and drink half a pitcher of fucking $5 Bud Light and then throw up on the bar, you know, because he really could. No, I mean, I never saw him personally do that, but I'm just saying, you know, I've seen enough Penn students come in when I was working. Yeah. Yeah. But the question was in my mind was, is there, is Russ Gerber a real person that he really go to Penn and whatever. And is he saying this stuff seriously? And apparently the answer is yes. Well, like he's going to pull the mask off like a uh, John Voight at the end of Mission Impossible. Well, um, right, but not a mask. I mean, you know, that he would be some actor in L.A. pretending to be the dumbest, most obnoxious guy on Wall Street. Well, have you, you ever know. been to California? I mean, that's how fucking people are in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's right in the middle of the bell curve in L.A., you know? Yeah, I know. It's just, But it's still, it's just kind of incredible. But... But anyway, so yeah, so look, I mean, maybe the SEC will look at it. Maybe they did look at it and, and couldn't find anything because, you know, whoever drove this up was too smart. Who knows, you know? I'll tell you one thing that's interesting. So um, a lot of people have asked me, you know, over the years when I was when I was down so much on this Tesla short, you know, they said, well, you know, what did you learn from this? And my answer had always been I learned nothing because Tesla is like a one in 10,000 stock and it checked every box for something to get short. And like, if you have something that checks every box and you don't short it, then the other 9,999 stocks that go to zero, which Tesla would have done by the way, if Musk hadn't, you know, lied and, 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 and raised money on the back of his lies, um, you know, then you wouldn't make the money. So you just write it off and say, Hey, Tesla was a fluke and I'll make money on the other 9,000 shorts. But in hindsight, I think what I did learn is when the Fed is printing money, like printing money, I don't mean like lowering rates. I mean, printing money. Just do not fucking short anything because the tailwind is so enormous. It's just you just can't do it. And and I, you know, with the fund would have done enormously better over those those years. But I think that's the lesson. If the no. Fed's uh, the only the only exception would be. If you're like a biotech expert, like I have a friend who's a biotech genius and, you know, like there's a trial result coming up and you've crunched all the data and said this drug's going to fail. Fine. You know, short it ahead of that. But but even then, by the way, he would do this. He would call the results right. The stock that that, that in the old days would have been down 80 percent on a failed trial because it's like it's only drug. It would go down maybe 30 percent and close the day down 5 percent during those QE days. So. My advice to anybody out there, if, if QE comes back, just wait patiently. Just don't short anything. Well, I think you're 100% right. And, you know, I kind of had my don't fight the Fed moment towards the end of 2019. You know, because prior to that, I had, at least personally in, in how I invested, you know, I, I would fight the Fed a lot. And it just didn't work. You know, it, did, yeah. it didn't work for 10 years from, you know, 2010 to 2020 and i remember thinking 
in March of 2020, when stocks crashed, really was the first time actually I ever told my mother, I think you should buy stocks. I don't think I ever told her that before. But it was wow. it was after it was the hell is coming day that Ackman was on TV. <laughs> and I remember buying a bunch of shit that I had wanted to buy for a while that I never got the chance to, you know, Staples, American Express. I bought Goldman Sachs. I remember a bunch of shit like that. Staples. And I remember thinking to myself and I said as much I was doing periscopes back then and doing the podcast and tweeting. But I remember saying um in March of 2020, which was pretty unheard of because we were staring down the barrel of we didn't know what with the pandemic. We had no clue what was going to happen. And we know that the Fed just kind of launched their QE infinity. But I just said it's going to be a race to 4,000 between the S&P and gold, you know. And and I didn't really have – I did a, a periscope called, you know, being a contrarian during the time of uh, pandemic or coronavirus or whatever – and, you know, I had accurately predicted prior to that that the market was going to crash in February or March 2020. And I was, you know, I was well positioned for that. And I just remember thinking, like, you know, actually one of my good friends, not good friends, but one of the people I follow on Twitter, this guy, you know, formerly Rosemont Seneca. His name is now Fred McFeely, formerly Cadis Capital. Um, but he said to me, you know, a couple years ago, you know, bears sound smart, bulls make money. And while it sounds kind of like a bullshit anecdote, it just registered with me for some reason. I was like, you know, I'm like, you really do swim downstream when you are. Yeah, that's a bullshit. That's a bullshit thing to say. Well, it, it because... is. It is. But listen, just listen to my point. You really do yeah. swim downstream when the Fed is accommodative, right? And if you want to run a book, you know. So look, I understand it is a little bullshit. So you got to be bearish at the right time. Right, right, right. Exactly. So the point is, though, you know, in March 2020 was really the first time I said, you know, I don't think it's worth fighting the Fed. And I said specifically that I liked financials then because <laughs> I knew that the Fed was going to be there to bail out whoever if it was necessary in the event of a financial crisis. And I also knew that coronavirus wasn't going to be a financial crisis. People were juxtaposing it with 2008. And it wasn't a systemic financial crisis. Sure, the whole system is bullshit. But at that point in time, that was the right move to make buying those financials because they went absolutely apeshit for the next two years. The point of the matter is, you're right. You know, you cannot fight the Fed, at least until the whole fucking thing breaks down, right? We have, a, you know, a, the bond market breaks down or the dollar breaks down or you have some kind of major massive crisis, which, by the way, we may be on the precipice now of. But until then, you're 100% right. You can't fight the Fed. Well, so a couple of things. First of all, yeah, I mean, I bought a bunch of micro caps that were just dirt cheap at those lows. And, you know, so we had a we had a big Tesla short position. I never took that off just because, you know, I, whatever, you know why. So anyway, we know. So Tesla was up. Tesla was up like 15x from those lows in that year. And, you know, we were still we were down, but not that much, even though we had a huge short that went 15x against us because I had a bunch of other longs, you know, that offset that offset most of it. So, no, I agree. Those those were good times to buy. There's no question. All right. So let's talk real quick about macro and where you think the Fed is at now. You know, people that read my blog know that when you uh, when you post a uh, a new letter to your LPs, I share some of that. I do like to send out your uh, your investment thoughts 
Uh, I didn't do it on the last one because there wasn't that big of an update. So maybe we can get that update from you now. I mean, what's up with the Fed? I know you think they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. What do you think is going to happen this year? Right. Well, look, I mean, to pull a number out of my butt, I, I think I think S&P goes, goes down to maybe the 2800 to 2900 range would sort of be fair value-ish for it. That would be about 14 times $200 in earnings, right? I think earnings, I don't know, last I looked, Earnings were supposed to be two twenty or two twenty five, but there's no way that's going to get that's going to happen. Right. But of course, that would be fair value ish. But but markets often overshoot to the downside. In fact, they usually do. So, if fair value is twenty eight to twenty nine hundred, I don't know. Maybe it goes you know to twenty five hundred. I I don't know. That's not a prediction. I mean, I if I were still short, I, I w- certainly wouldn't hold out for that. You know. And that, that's not um, so, that insane, given that it went down to twenty three hundred in March of twenty twenty. Ah, okay, right, okay. So you know, I I think basically, if if this bear market were forty percent from on the S and P from peak to to where it bottoms out, I we're we'd roughly be about halfway through it now, right? I think the market's ballpark down about twenty percent. I didn't check based yeah, on. Yeah, it went to. Today. It looks like it went to forty eight eighteen. So you know, twenty percent. Uh, you're talking a 20% drawdown would be uh, 960 points, right? A 48, 18. So you're you got to go 40%, which would be 1800. That would put you at 3,000. Yeah. So about 2900 to 3000 would be a 40% drawdown. Yeah. So you know that that's where I think it might be worth buying some stuff. And okay, so if you miss the next 10%, it shouldn't be that big a deal. But the other thing is, you know, we could get there. And then just do nothing for years, right? I mean, this could be this could just be a grinding multi-year bear market. Yeah, like so, Japan. Like Japan. I mean, a lot of it depends on where you think inflation is is going to be, and obviously, it's not going to stay at eight percent. But you know, if it if it comes down and stays at, you know, at like four percent, you know that that's that's a problem for stocks, and it's a problem for the Fed. I mean, the Fed needs to get real rates at least, you know, neutral to that, if not positive, which, you know, so, you know, that means you need a short-term Fed funds rate of, of over 4% if inflation is 4%. So, and look, there's secular reasons for that. I mean, I see all this stuff about, yeah, the, you know, there's too much inventory in the clothing stores and it's going to come down. Okay, fine. But there's still sort of a war on, you know, but there's still like a war on fossil fuels, right, which is a secular positive you know for 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 like oil and fossil fuels and you know there's there there is still a like the birth rate is low which means it's harder to find employees which means you have to pay them more so there's like you know continual future wage pressure going on here and then and then you know the country is trying to onshore stuff that it was producing more cheaply offshore so that's another you know these are like sort of secular inflationary trends now you know, does that mean that in, that inflation, you know, stops at three and a half percent or does it stop at five and a half four? I don't know. But whatever it is, rates have to be short term rates have to be much higher than they are now. And if and, and, and if the 10 years should give you, I mean, again, to just make up a number, sort of, let's say 150 basis points over the rate of inflation. Well, even if inflation settles in at three or three and a half you need a 10 year which is you know close to five right so and right now it's just a hair over three so these are all things that that should continue to crush 
the P.E. ratios of stocks. Right. So, you know, maybe I'm being generous at 14 X and maybe they go down to, you know, 13 X or 12 X. Right. Between 1973 and 1975, the P.E. ratio on the S&P 500 dropped from 18X to like 8X, right? I'm not saying we're going to 8X, but, you know, these are the reasons why I think, basically I think inflation is going to be elevated enough that stocks keep going lower as P.E.s compress. And and so I think we wind up with the S&P under 3,000. And to your point, yeah, I mean, if that's where it was in the 2020 lows, I don't see why it couldn't touch that again, possibly. So, yeah, you know. and, and it all depends on whether or not the Fed holds its nerve, right? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think there's a Fed put at any level? Do you think he's going to, you know, kind of hold his nerve here, Powell? It, it sure looks I, like he's going to. Yeah, I don't think there's a Fed stock put really at any level unless they can justify it by inflation really dropping pretty quickly so even if inflation doesn't hit their so-called target of two percent and by the way when i say inflation i'm talking about well they they use of course pce core which is like the most bullshit of all the bullshit numbers so you know whatever but unless they see it dropping there quickly i mean look these guys are pretty dumb and they can't see beyond the tips of their noses right so if they, so the reason we have this giant bubble and all this inflation it's because they couldn't see beyond the tips of their noses. Now, there's no reason to think they'll be able to see beyond the tips of their noses on the way back down with inflation either, other than that they do have this natural sort of loose money bias, partially because they know how big the national debt is, right? And I've talked about this in my letter. I think you might have even printed it, where, you know, if all of a sudden you have to start cutting, like, Medicare and and you know and and the defense budget and education programs just to pay more interest on the debt well the fed might keep rates down just to avoid that in which case obviously you'd want to own just 100 percent gold right because it would mean that they would never control inflation so you know there's there's a lot of moving parts here but i think stocks go a lot lower for multiple compression i think inflation you know settles in i don't know higher than certainly higher than two percent and probably higher than the three percent that break evens i think sort of point to now and 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 consumer expectations in those surveys right it could could settle in at four percent you know and then that would even four percent would be a disaster even though it's half of the current eight percent rate right yeah people in you know i'm sure look i'm sure if we go from 8.9 to 8 it's going to be celebrated as a wondrous success you know if we, <laughs> right, went, to, exactly. if we went to four it would be you know it would be uh, roll out the mission accomplished banner never mind the fact that four percent is fucking out of control it's out of control right. now by the you way know, it everybody is, keeps I making agree. the making the argument that you know if inflation comes down it doesn't mean that there's no inflation it just means that it's has stopped accelerating you know that it's that yeah <laughs> exactly now i should also point out by the way as happened in the 1970s that that once you get a P.E. ratio that's low enough, you know, commensurate with with whatever that rate of inflation is, stocks in nominal terms will start going up after that simply because the earnings go up, right. uh, you know, the nominal earnings, inflation. So, you know, let's say we settle in. So let's say stocks settle in and to be generous at 14 times earnings. Well, with 4% inflation, well, you know, one year that your stock's worth, you know, 14 times 10 is 140, right? But the next year your stock is worth 14 times $10.40 just because even if you didn't have any growth because of inflation, you know, in theory, your earnings went up. So you get 14 times 
that. So stocks go up by that amount, right? So, you know, 14 times the extra 40 cents is your gain in that $10 stock. So, you know, stocks become a good hedge against inflation once PE ratios bottom out, right? right? But until then, until then, even higher nominal earnings, if you can beat the margin compression and get earnings up, they can be overwhelmed by lower by a lower PE multiple on those earnings. Somebody right? somebody just put up a fucking photo. I got my Twitter window open in the other window, and you know, yeah. shit's popping up. Somebody just put up the photo of Kathy Wood from, I guess, an interview she did. <laughs> I don't know when it was. It looks like Arc is at seventy two dollars in the picture. I guess it must have been February of this year or something. Where you know the Zoom notification popped up, you know. Oh yeah, when the, she didn't pay for the Zoom. Yeah, the meeting yeah. will end in ten minutes, and the Chiron underneath it says, "Kathy Wood, we think the market bottom occurred on January twenty seventh. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's wonderful. You know, I, How does know, she keep getting on fucking television? I mean, what? Like, what is she doing? Is she bringing in ratings? I mean, like... Well, I don't know. Well, it could be ratings, actually, because, right? Because she does have that devoted fan base. I, had fan I mean, base. I, I, about I that. tune in to... Li- you know, it's like you just want to hear what the fuck she's going to say next. So you get people that hate her that probably tune in, too. I mean, I guess that's a good thing if you're just looking for ratings. Well, I, I can't have the sound on. I can't stand the sound of her voice. But, I, look, I don't know that she's doing this, but let's say you theoretically wanted to buy a half hour of interview time on CNBC. Could you do it? I don't even know if you could do it. I don't know. It. I'm not, I'm not but sure. it could be ratings. You're right. Well, look, I mean, I'm sure if you get... sponsor them, look what, like, Acorns did. You know, Acorns sponsored them at one point, and then every, you know, they would be like, oh, coming up at 5 o'clock, it's the Acorns, oh. you know, retirement okay. investment yeah. advisor segment, you know, or you plan for your future wealth and blah, 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 you know. And I think Grayscale also sponsored a uh uh you know a thing i'm sure if you i'm sure if you buy ad time i'm sure you could you know you, there's, Has sure she done there's that? Ch- i don't think so yeah there's I don't been no evidence it. there's been no evidence to show that yeah um, I, I don't, yeah real quick you mentioned oil i want to just talk about this real quick because i just wrote an article about it uh over the weekend uh, basically called the u.s i'm um, sorry the white house needs to end its embarrassing pe- yeah. petulant yeah. war on u.s oil and I yeah. wanted to uh, I wanted to get your take on how this administration has been vilifying the fucking oil and energy companies in the midst of an energy crisis uh, that, you know, is partly a mess of their own making. You know, there was some inflation before the whole Putin thing. But, you know, the sanctions that we've lopped on Russia haven't haven't helped at all. And we've done nothing on the supply side to incentivize bringing, uh, you know, new supply online. What do you make of the of the White House's stance on on energy right now? Well, I mean, look, look, I'm no I'm no oil expert. I just I just know what I read, but it's pretty fucking obvious that if it's a massively expensive undertaking, uh, you know, to build a refinery, right, and cost billions and billions of dollars, and you need to run it for forty years, I'm just picking a number out of my butt to get a reasonable payback on that investment. And these and these idiots are like, oh, we're going to ban fossil fuels by the year 2035. Well, who the fuck's going to build that refinery? Right. This is just common sense. The thing I've noticed about about Democrats in general and and liberals and and so-called progressives in general. And by the way, to be clear, I'm a registered independent. I mean, just to put my my bona fides out there, I think. Donald Trump is a venal moron and an asshole and whatever. I'm no Trumpkin, <laughs> right? I mean, I guess you could accuse me of maybe sort of being a 
maybe a Romney Republican, which Republicans would, would call a rhino, but I'm also pro-choice. Anyway, I'm not looking to get political flack here, but I will say it's been my observation that Democrats and progressives, maybe Democrats used to, Bill Clinton was a smart guy, but let's say progressives today's are, they don't understand that people and, and businesses react and respond to incentives and disincentives, right? Right. So if you, I mean, they understand that as long as it's a program that has to do with giving away free money, so if they can, if they can get people to, to waste money on electric cars, well, that they understand, right? But in terms of businesses or crime or anything else, right, they don't understand that, you know, if somebody knows he's going to jail for five years, if he uses a gun, he's going to probably not use a gun, right? But they don't get that. Anyway, so here's an example of they're basically providing a massive disincentive and yet demanding that these companies uh, these 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 oil companies do something right. And it goes, yeah. and of course, there's the whole pipeline issue, right? I mean, you know, people could freeze in Massachusetts, but you know, they won't do the pipelines. And yeah, the whole thing is idiotic. It's everyone knows this. Everyone with common sense knows this. Unfortunately, there's no one with common sense who's running this this administration right now. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's baffling, and and it's just I think there's so many double standards. You know. As I wrote in my article, look, when Exxon lost $20 billion in 2020, nobody gave a shit. Nobody was, you know, you know, and, and this guy gets up there and he talks about all the middle class families that he wants to help, except the seven and a half million people well, in the country that work in the energy industry. Those people can go fuck themselves, which I just think is like, I think it's a wild double standard. I remember there was a refinery in Philly here, Mark, like two years ago that had an explosion. And AOC tweeted something like, that's what you get. That's what you get for dealing with fossil fuels. It's like, yeah. are you fucking, fucking crazy? Like, what kind of a statement yeah. is that to make as she walks around with her, you know, petroleum-based devices and petroleum-based makeup and, you know, it's just the hypocrisy. I don't even think, first off, I don't even think people understand what petroleum provides for them in their lives. I don't expect them to understand it. You know, most people can't walk and chew gum at the same time. You know, the plastics, all the things that we use on an everyday basis that, you know, we need oil for. And we're going to need oil for, for, you know, it's not just cars. Do I remember Kathy Wood? So I think, you know, I think uh, we've already seen peak demand. What did she say? We've seen peak demand in oil because uh, now the EV revolution is here and we're just not going to have any more internal combustion engine cars. It's like, is that really your thesis? Is that is that yeah, what you I think? Yeah, I can't tell. Almost in some ways, like with as with Gerber, I can't tell if she's a, a total moron or just a venal person spouting bullshit that she knows is bullshit in order to support her idiotic stock positions. I don't well, have an and answer. An idiotic ideology. You know, it's just the idea that we can flip a switch tomorrow and go from... You know, these people have no clue. They go home, they charge oh, so, well, their, they charge their Teslas sorry, about... with energy that comes from a coal-fueled power plant. Yeah, no, I was talking about Kathy Wood. If you talk about AOC, I think AOC is a moron with, with media smarts, is how I would describe her. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it, clearly no one with common sense would say a lot of the shit that she says, yeah, right? Referencing... But, yeah. uh, Milton Keynes, that famous economist. Right? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, that's that's a stupid thing anybody could say. But just like, you know, blaming Gucci stores getting, you know, looted on COVID. I, I, I mean, you know, it's just, you know. How about so, blaming the high oil prices on Exxon? 
and profit. You know, like there isn't right. a, like there isn't yeah. an entire global oil market. First so, off, you want to blame somebody? Blame fucking OPEC. Okay, that that would be a proper place to place blame. They have control over a lot of supply. They could flood the market. You know, the oil market is a massive global market. Like the Exxon, yeah, like the Exxon I, CEO is sitting at his desk, like, yeah, jack it up another fifteen cents a gallon. You know, like I, I think the problem is, you know, I think Biden, even though Biden is a stupid man, at one point he did understand these kind of basic things. But Biden is just mentally out of it. He's passive. You know, he's not totally senile, obviously, but you know, he's just like out of it. And so he's basically handed over policy and and all this stuff to a bunch of like semi Marxists. Right. I I mean, thank God we seem to have people running foreign policy who have some idea of what the fuck they're doing. But the people he has running domestic policy are like all little committed, you know, socialist types who are just naive and stupid. And this is what they're doing. And the causes, the causes that they claim to be fighting for, right? So the the Biden administration is fighting for equality and fighting for, you know, uh, all these uh, all human rights, right? That this is the big yeah. platform on the left. Everybody, you know, equality for everybody, right? This guy would rather go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and, I know. And kiss the yeah. ass, okay? Yeah. And kiss the ass of fucking Prince Mohammed, whatever the hell his name is, yeah. to, to pump more oil, okay, while this guy is ordering the executions of journalists and, uh, you know, arresting people for being gay and, you know, condemning gay marriage. He would rather, yeah, go, he would rather go beg that guy and fucking get I, on his knees and kiss that dude's ass and sniff his throne to fucking pump more oil than to turn around to the, to the oil companies here in the U.S. and say, hey— we're going to do whatever it takes to help you bring some supply online. Here's, you know, here's a tax break. Here's this, that, you know, maybe we're just not going to berate you for six months. How how does that sound, you know? But no, he'd rather go kiss the fucking Saudis ass while these guys are over there, you know. Talk about fucking people that, like, have no regard for human rights and equality, right? Like, yeah, how fucking no, hypocritical can you get? Yeah, no, you're you're preaching to the choir. And the thing is, these are the idiots who are advising him and telling him what to do more than him. I, I don't even blame him for a lot of this stuff. I think he's so out of it. You know, I mean, so, yeah, yeah you see him show up to the is. meeting the other day with the cue card. You know, it's like step one. That was sit, funny. Sit yeah, down. That, you know, step two, say hello. You know, oh yeah. god. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that made the front page of the New York Post. Besides being all over Twitter, <laughs> I mean. I mean, but that's that's what we got here. It's an and this fucking guy. And by the way, you know, um, he should he, look. You know, when you start slowing down and you're not up to a job, you fucking know it. Right. And yet this this guy who spent his whole life in politics decided he was entitled to be president, so he ran for this job, mentally unqualified for it. Right. I mean, putting aside the stupidity that you know, even Obama talked about it. Right? Remember that famous quote from Obama. You know, if, if Joe can fuck something up, he will. Something like that, right? Yeah. That, that was Obama who said that before Joe was senile. Or, you know, not senile, but let's say mentally slow. So, you know, he's just, I think he's an asshole for having run in the first place. But now that he's there, I don't think he's in control of well, any of I was just talking, to this, talking about this with my parents today. You got people on both sides of the aisle that just need to get the fuck out of Congress. They got to get the fuck out of politics. Mitch McConnell. Pack it the fuck up, dude. I can't stand the sight of it. Really? Uh, you know, one more day on camera. You know, it's just like, just stop. Take you, take, and just 
Call it a day, Mitch. Great job. Nancy Pelosi, another one, you know? Can't fucking uh, put a sentence together. Doesn't know she's vile. who's... Go- I mean, yeah. she, you know, get up there, trying to explain. Just pack it in. Just pack it in. You know, Nancy... You think McConnell doesn't have his, all his marbles? He, I think that's just the way he always spoke, no? He, I, seems like he may have more of his marbles, but I can't stand listening oh, to well, him anymore. He, yeah. I can't stand the fact that he's been a fucking career politician, you know? And it's goes to show you that this is not a partisan comment you know if you've been in congress for a thousand years and it's the only thing you've done something's wrong you know there needs to be term limits there needs to be i don't want to sound ageist there needs to be age limits the fact is look you get over 80 i mean you know you start to lose your marbles a little bit and that's just that's how life goes that's okay that's just the facts of life you know just fucking i remember uh one of my favorite comedy sketches, Martin Lawrence did one like 20 years ago, you know, and he's like, listen, man, he's like, when I'm 80 years old, don't be dragging me to no fucking Chicago Bulls game, you know, putting a fucking starter cap on me with the camera on me, like, ah, Martin's here showing me falling asleep at the game, you know, like, I don't want to be doing anything like that. It's the same thing with the politicians. I said to my parents, we got to get some fucking young blood in Congress and some young, we ha- we need a younger president we need somebody that's spry we need somebody that's plugged in that you know that's just we just need a little bit of a of of it i'm not trying to sound ageist but you know mcconnell pelosi call it a day both of you you yeah why don't you run you're not doing anything else important why don't you run what the fuck do you know that i'm doing you're right i'm not doing anything important but i'm not running for president (laughs) i don't want that fucking hassle it's like being the it's like being on the it's like being on the condo association of my building okay exactly i'm I'm talking about it talking about it all the time i got a million complaints i'll give you any kind of money you want to help fix the problem i'll i'll even draw up solutions i'll call people do whatever we need to fix problems they're like why don't you run to sit on the board i'm like i don't want to fucking deal with it you know i got too much shit going on yeah, no, all joking aside, that's why most people who are good, smart people don't want the job. And that's why we get left with people who are, you know, basically otherwise unemployable, right? That's a fair I mean, point. the guys who are smart, hardworking, diligent guys, they leave. Like, what's his name? The guy, the young guy who was the, who was the, the head of the House Republicans and, and um, you know, the head of the House Republicans who, who he just couldn't deal with it anymore and he quit. What's his name? Who? You know the guy. The guy who was the Speaker of the House, like I don't know, five six years ago. Boehner? Young guy, dark. Huh? Not Boehner. No, the guy after Boehner. Jesus, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, you do. He's like from Wisconsin or something. I have no idea. Not Nunez, right? Did he quit? That's not. No, hold on. Of. Speakers of the House. No, I mean I'm, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on this guy. I have no idea. Hold on, I'll tell you. I Hang think on. it was Boehner, and then it was Pelosi, right? No, Paul Ryan. Oh, Paul Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ryan was like a diligent, you know, smart guy, like sort of an expert in 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 finance and the budget and all that stuff. And he got so much shit from the crazies on in the right of his party, and then from the crazies on the left of the Democrats. He's like, right. "Fuck it, what do I need this for?" Right. And, and he, you know, so he he quit. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's why you know I have reverence for people that you know, sit in there and, and really try to, you know, make a difference on both the left and the right. You know, if, if they try to bring, you know, some, if they show up, right, they show up to their, their subcommittee meetings and they show up for votes. And, you know, I was just watching Rand Paul the other day 
questioning Anthony Fauci and people were giving him shit. You know, he's gone overboard on this. He's, you know, whatever. I say, I gotta, I gotta give him some credit. You know, he's relatively well-prepared. He's making some good points. He showed up. He's like, his father reminds me of his father a little bit in the sense that he's, you know, pretty consistent on the way that he feels about things. You know, I have, I have respect for that, but yeah, it's really, it's, I guess you get the pros of, you get to go on TV and people know who you are and you get to sell books eventually or whatever, but it seems like a relatively thankless job. The salary's all right, though, eh? Well, I mean, again, you know, anybody good can make a hell of a lot more money than what they pay in Congress. I mean, that, that, that's one of the reasons I have a lot of respect for Mitt Romney is, I mean, you know, he's a very rich guy through through private equity. What, was it Bain co-founded or something? Romney, um, yeah, and, Bain. And, you know, and so he definitely doesn't need this job. Right. And I guess he's got an ego like everybody, but he, he also doesn't come across as an egomaniac. So he really does this. It's public service for him. He feels he's serving the, the government. And, and I respect that a lot. You know, unlike, you know, fucking Pelosi with her call option buying. I mean, that should, should be a fucking crime. That's the one thing I agree with AOC on is that no one in Congress should be able to speculate in individual stocks. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, she just she doesn't make much sense. Pelosi. I mean, she's just she's horrible. She's a total phony. She's the classic limousine liberal. I mean, yeah, she's limousine liberal. I, right. Oh, she's just hard. Well, AOC also AOC is the is the is a limousine progressive. I don't know why they call these people progressives. I hate using that word because that's a word that they somehow adopted for themselves. They are regressive. They want to they want to put people back into living in neighborhoods seething with crime. They want to put people back on the unemployment line you know they're 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 regressives why have we allowed them to take the just, word just go to san francisco to see how good of a job pelosi's doing just go there just go yeah, all you well, gotta do is go there i went there five years ago and i went there last year and there's a very big uh, difference That's yeah all. yeah no kidding well i mean how bad it got so bad right that they that they recalled their da and i'd love them to you know currently you can't do that here in manhattan with this clown as the manhattan da but if a Republican wins for governor, he'll just fire him on day one. Apparently, the governor can fire the guy. So yeah, I don't really. Well, it's the same problem here in in Philadelphia. I mean, the, the, oh yeah, yeah, the you DA, that the idiot. DA thinks yeah. that they're doing some favors by, you know, just letting people commit. Well, we're going to allow you to commit some light crime. You know, we'll just go after. <laughs> we'll just go after the important crime. It's like either you're enforcing the law, or you're not. Hey, how about yeah, that one? Well, Why don't you try that one on for size? Well, that's that's how they cleaned up New York City. Was there was that famous criminology professor who came up? I forget his name, but I think he was here in New York. Who came up with that? They called it the broken windows theory, which is you know small crime leads to big crime. If you crack right. down on the small crime, the big crime. You know, nab nab the the, the subway turnstile hoppers because half the time they got right. 22 warrants against them and are carrying a gun exactly right? so, exactly you know so but you know to his look this guy Adams is kind of interesting this mayor Adams and I tweeted about him a little bit he's an ex cop yep so he gets it and he understands he's and he wants to stop crime but on the other hand he's just kind of a fucking dilettante i mean he's out at every single party every night he's on page 6 like every day you know it's almost like page 6 even is is like making fun of him for it so he doesn't exactly have a handle on fixing the potholes, but it, he does seem to get the big picture. He, he, says, he does, you know, and I saw the article about him this morning, you know, or yesterday, where he said, you know, the I had, subway? yeah, I had no idea how bad the city was. It's like, well, all you had to do was ride the subway for three hours, you know? It, yeah, 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 I know. But yeah, he doesn't so. He doesn't seem like, 
he you know he he does seem like he has an interest in in cleaning things up. Yes, he does, but he's also an ambitious politician, and he's not the smartest guy in the world. I mean, the guy took his fucking salary in Bitcoin. That was like one of the first things he he declared. But on the other hand, look, I mean, compare him to that moron who runs Chicago. What's her name? Lightfoot. Lightfoot. So, and exactly what you knew would happen, happened, right, according to what I read. In fact, I think Zero Hedge even printed an article about it that somebody wrote. So Ken Griffin had given them every chance in the world. Yep. To take crime seriously, the guy was like one of the biggest philanthropists in the history of Chicago, right? Probably biggest philanthropist since like Al Capone, right? I'm sure Al Capone like, you know, gave shit away because they always do that stuff to try to clean up their image. But anyway, he was this huge philanthropist. And sure enough, it was like he got fed up already. Too many of his employees mugged, whatever. And he says he's leaving. And exactly what you knew would happen, happened. The governor says, hey, don't let the door hit you on the way out. The mayor says, you know, uh, things are a lot better than Ken says. Goodbye, Ken. Have fun in Florida. And that's it. And there goes your tax base, right, right. eventually. So, I mean, Boeing left Chicago and and um, um, what is it John Deere or, or Caterpillar who left Illinois? One of those two. Caterpillar, you know, is moving out of Illinois. So not Chicago, but the state, which is the same disaster. And, you know, so my point is that, like, in New York, you know, like if like if Goldman Sachs completely left new york you know tomorrow and by the way i don't know if you saw it but they're building a new a major new building you know like a like a sub headquarters in texas actually right. if goldman left tomorrow the the aoc morons of the world would be like oh don't let the door hit you on the way out fuck you we have too many billionaires here already which is basically what she said by the way when to she amazon. killed the amazon right. right exactly but you know at some point these morons wake up and go oh um we chased everybody out you know, who's going to pay for our dumbass programs now? There's nobody here to pay taxes anymore. So, you know, my point is that Adams understands that. And Adams has said many times, we need to attract large employers. That's our tax base. Right. So, of course, the progressives criticize him because, you know, like one of the biggest industries in New York, at, at least in Manhattan, is the real estate industry. And, you know, so he's he's he talks to the real estate guys all the time and says, what do you need to attract you know, employers right. here, you know? And so of course he gets shit. And the, that idea, the, the idea of taking his, the idea of taking his salary in crypto was because when he first came on board, he was saying, Oh, it wants to make New York city, the crypto capital of the world. Now, given the fact that I, I probably doesn't understand crypto and given the fact that I think that that's ridiculous, I, I commend him on trying to generate some interest into the city in what he obviously sees as a, you know, new and kind of uh, up and coming, uh, asset class, even though he probably doesn't have any clue about it. You know, he knows it's hot. And so he's saying, all right, well, let's make New York. So, you know, I got to at least give him credit yes. for trying to bring some fucking people to the city by saying, hey, we'll, yes. be, we'll be welcoming. We'll allow you here, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, I just thought of it as him not being the smartest guy in the no, world. No, well, those, those run hand in but, hand. He was saying he wanted to make New York the crypto capital of the world. But your point is a great point. He is smart enough, unlike most New York City politicians these days to understand that we have to be welcoming to big business and get them in here. Right. right. So anyway, so my point is, you know, he says a lot of the right things. He's he's no genius. He's not he's not Michael Bloomberg, who was probably the greatest mayor in, in the history of New York City, maybe of any city. Um, you know, however you feel about Bloomberg, he fucking ran this city like a finely tuned machine. And then, of course, 
you know, de Blasio and the progressives had to come in and fuck it up. And here we are. So it's not terrible, by the way, at least where I am. I'm, I'm in a good neighborhood. But in the bad neighborhoods, it's gotten really bad. Yeah. You know, it's, the bad neighborhoods were OK neighborhoods for a number of years in the back half of Giuliani's administration under Bloomberg. And de Blasio turned them back into bad neighborhoods. Well, you in, know? in and, Philly, the violence is starting to spill over into touristy areas, you know, when there's yeah, shootings. Great. Shootings yeah. in Old City, when there's shootings at, you know, 3rd and Chestnut, when there's shootings on South Street on a Friday, Saturday night, you got to wonder, like, what the hell is going on? And by the way, after that last shooting on South Street just a couple weeks ago, there was a shooting at 4th and South Street. I was at 5th and South about a half hour before it happened. Uh, wow. Somebody just spraying bullets out through the middle of South Street. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a mass shooting. They reported it as a, you know, there's a mass shooting. It wasn't it was two fucking idiot gang members, you know, some kind of unsettled beef, whatever. And they wound up just spraying bullets all over the place. But the point is, you know, the next day or the next weekend, I went back down to South Street and the police presence was overwhelming. Now, prior to that, before this happened, what did South Street look like? It looked like a hellscape. There were people on fucking dirt bikes. There were people on quads. <laughs> they were doing yeah. wheelies down the street. There was open know, containers yeah. all over the place. The bars had people spilling out of them. Traffic was routinely stopped so people could come out of Fat Tuesday and twerk in the middle of traffic. I mean, it's just a shit show, a fucking shit show on the weekends, which is why Friday, Saturday nights, I'm never on South Street because it's just mutated into like a like a like a like out of Blade Runner, some type of a hellscape, just ab <laughs> absolute hell on earth. And you know they they didn't care about open containers. They didn't care about fucking people selling shit. They didn't you know they didn't care about people you know selling drugs is what I mean. I don't mind you know merchants or vendors, but people selling drugs on South Street. They didn't care about fucking, you know, people driving without licenses, these dirt bikes down the middle of South Street. They didn't care about people holding up traffic. There used to be a noise uh, ordinance violation on South Street. They don't care about people driving down there, blasting their radios, whatever. So now, you know, when you go to South Street, it looks like a fucking, you know, it looks like a fucking Master P video mixed with like a, a hellscape from fucking Blade Runner. And so it was no surprise to me. And, you know, I have friends that bartend on South Street. It was no surprise to me when this shooting happened. So then I go the next weekend, you know, and there's this incredible police presence. You know, there, there's police on every corner and whatever. You know, and, and I said to the guys, hey, you know, it's fucking great to see you out here. I said, you know, I, I hope the mayor lets you do your job. And I hope the DA lets you do your job. You know, and they were cite citing people for having open containers and all the shit that they used to do, whatever. Now, I haven't been back since, so I don't know if it was just for that one weekend. I'm sure it probably was. Stupid ass being reactive to the problem instead of proactive. But the point is, it can be done. You can maintain law and order. If you have to increase funding, if you need to bring more officers online, do it. You know, nobody fucking... I don't know what people are afraid of by having officers, you know, in highly populated, highly trafficked areas where people need to be kept safe and law and order needs to be maintained. Well, you it's know? obvious. It's obvious. These quote unquote progressives, A, they think, you know, the cops just all the cops do is beat up on 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 poor people. And they think that everybody who commits a crime, you know, has a justified is social innocent. background right. for it. Yeah. You know, it's it, everyone knows how stupid that is, except those people who what happens is. Like people don't pay attention. So they, they somehow win these primaries and all of a sudden they're taking over cities. Right. You yeah. ask the vast majority of people 
especially people in these minority neighborhoods who are the ones who, who are the biggest victims of this violence. You know, what do you think? They want more cops. Every survey says they want more cops. Right. Every survey says they want people's right. asses thrown in jail. And, you know, but these people sort of came in and took things over while the rest of us were trading stocks or, you know, going to law school or whatever the fuck we were doing, right? Starting starting social media companies. So you got a bunch of these these nuts who are running the governments in all these places. Oh, well, I'll tell you, it's so interesting that the, 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 I don't know if the word is disparity, the difference between red states and blue states just shocks me. I mean, I spent last week in, in Arizona visiting my dad, which is... Actually, that's almost now a borderline state, but for a long time it was a it was a red state. And I just talked to guys, my my Lyft LYFT drivers, and and you know anyone I, I just have to meet if I'm chatting with somebody. These people are so different from New York City liberals; it's just mind-boggling. You know, these these so-called progressives have no idea what the rest of the country is like if you're not on the coast. No clue. You know? No clue. Yeah. They have no. Yeah. They have no clue. And the crazy thing is. You don't really have to, you know, I, I think anybody that just, like you said, talk to your Uber driver. That's it. You know, talk to the guy sitting next to you at the bar, drinking a Pabst and a shot of whiskey. Talk yeah. to, you know, yeah. the the people I talk to when I'm out in West Philadelphia. I run errands out in West Philadelphia, and I also, like, a lot of times I run, uh, and I'll run all the way out to West Philly which is six, seven, eight, nine miles sometimes, and then I walk back. Wow. I walk yeah. back from West Philly, or I'll take the trolley back, or I'll take the subway back. Talk to the people on the trolley. Talk to the people that you see on the street. You know what I mean? That's all you got to do, because what those people are asking for and what the progressives in office are telling you that they want are two completely different things, at least from my you know, personal yeah, opinion. Yeah, no, it's, well, every, opinion, every opinion poll says that, and you know, by the way, it's not just government. I mean, these these people, these quote unquote progressives, they took over all the universities too, right? right? Well, you know, well everyone was going out of college and going to make their fortune on Wall Street or social media or run a company or whatever the hell they were doing. The smart people going to law school, they left behind these these Marxists and socialists who are now educating our kids and turning out millions of little Marxists and socialists every year. You know, I just hope to God these people regain their common sense yeah. by the time they get into their 30s, you know. Here's, but, here's the system that doesn't work, that hasn't provided you anything that you have. Yeah. You know, yeah. but we need to change everything to, to go to this. Oh, okay. You know, that's, yeah. that's why that that's why that Miami-Dade County or whatever the county is in South Florida turned for Trump in the last general election, which is a very liberal county, turned, went for Trump. Because you had all these immigrants who came from Cuba and came from South America. Oh, I was yeah. watching video of them when it was happening saying, oh, we don't want communism. We just fled communism. Like, we don't want socialism. Well, we just fled socialism. Yeah, I mean, look, the Democrats are very upset because it's turning out that the that the Hispanic population of this country is a lot more conservative and, and now Republican-leaning. Than the than it was in the past, and the Democrats are like obviously they took those people for granted. Well, right? why wouldn't I mean, they be? You know, they're hardworking, they're people of I know. faith, they're you know, and often religious. Yeah, they're I humble. Mean, they only want you know what do they want? They want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They want to be able to earn yeah. a living. They want you know security under the laws of the country. They want civility. They want to you know take care of and love their families, and they want to be safe. and And they're okay with working. You know, they, they'll work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you know? So it's not like that's a problem. The problem is it's the people that are entitled, that don't want to work 
all of a sudden, yeah. oh, you know, the system's not right for them. The system's broken. It's like, you don't even know the system, you know? Put in a 60-hour fucking work week, you know, and be <laughs> thankful for what yeah. you have, all right? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the fucking... Democrats do still have the the Latinx population, but... They... <laughs> But they don't. They don't have the Latino or the Hispanic population. Well, that's like the, that's like the perfect. But that's like the perfect example. You know, Bill Maher was talking about this on his show last week. He was talking about you know something like eighty percent of the Latino population says the term Latinx. They oh, was he talking they, about that? Yeah, really? he said they don't yeah. like it. You know, but yeah. fucking AOC or whoever is pushing it is still out there using it. It's like all right, yeah. you know, and it's just I don't know. I don't know if you watch the. Uh, Probably not, <laughs> but if you saw the trailer for uh, the Beavis and Butthead uh, series that's coming out, but there's a scene in it where, you know, there's a... Uh, oh, the white privilege. Yeah, the white privilege Somebody scene. Somebody put that on Twitter. That was fucking hilarious. Yeah, where the, you know, the... Yeah, I got white privilege. You can't arrest me. Yeah, the, the African-American... <laughs> done so well. The African-American so woman well is trying to make a point. You know, and the yeah. white and the white liberal guy cuts her off. Steps you know, on her. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take yeah, it yeah. from I'll take it from here, Ayana, or whatever. You know, and it's just like and the old and the old white liberal woman teacher is so perfect. She's like, well, it's good you've learned your lesson. Now, what can you do with that? The question is, will you apply this? And they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna apply this, all right. <laughs> that was great shit. Those guys, I haven't, those guys are. That's really funny. Well, my, that's Mike Judge, I guess, right? I assume yeah, he's behind yeah. it, right? Yeah. No, he's he's fucking, he's great. Just like the South Park guys are great. You know, I'm I'm actually shocked that Hollywood's even producing something that would be considered so subversive today, right? You know, so. Well, there's yeah. a market for it. Did you see the Ricky Gervais uh, Netflix special, the recent one? Is it any good? Yeah, I always it's liked fucking him, funny. but I never thought he was that funny. It's really fucking funny? funny. Yeah, I thought it was oh, good. Okay. I thought good, it was really good. good, but you know what's he doing? He's spending the he's spending the hour or whatever just riffing on how fucking crazy things have gotten. You know, yeah. he's saying, you know, I like I like my women the old school way. You know, like without the cock. You know, like, <laughs> like he says that old, yeah line. old school women. You know, the one the ones without cocks. <laughs> That's a good line. I will. Uh, I good. I I will definitely watch that then because yeah, it's funnier I, I in the like British it. accent. So. Yeah. Might okay, as well good. not, might no, as well not even upload this episode to YouTube, by the way. It'll get torched. I'm on my second strike or whatever, so they're going to napalm my YouTube account at some point. I don't care. Oh, you mean this episode of you and I talking? Oh, well, oh, because um, oh, because of what you just said about the the man with the. the I don't know. Well, yeah. one of the algorithms would pick up something, you know, Latinx or you know whatever white privilege. One of the things we've talked. Yeah, about. it's interesting what you can get away with. I've learned finally after getting my last account blown out. What you can say on Twitter, as long as you just avoid certain buzzwords that their that their quote unquote AI pick up. Or, oh, how know, about whatever. the people? How about the people on Twitter saying we should assassinate Clarence Thomas? Or you know, <laughs> I mean, people have been tweeting that shit since the uh, Roe vs. Wade decision has been overturned, and that that's fine. You know, that's fine. Yep. But it, but if you state a fact about you know autopilot or something it's like oh you're done or or that or that only women can get pregnant that's uh yeah how <laughs> dare you right how dare you yeah yeah look uh it'll be look I, you know we didn't really talk at all we've gone on forever here but about about you know what's going to happen with musk and 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 twitter and you know i mean just an example of what a scumbag this guy is and you know what a a gaslighter if that's the right word you know he he, he said in an interview like 10 days ago that, you know, there's a few loose ends on Twitter 
He has to solve the bots, which, of course, everyone knows the reason he was buying it was because he knew there were too many bots. He even tweeted that. I'm going to buy Twitter. There's so many fucking bots there, right? But now that's his excuse for trying to get out. But um, um, but he also said, but, you know, we have to make sure that the, that the debt financing is in place before we know we can close this. Now, that debt financing has been in place the whole time. What he doesn't have is the billions and tens of billions of equity that he needs. Right. But God forbid he would fucking admit that, that he doesn't have the money. Right. So, you know, without dumping uh, another $20 billion worth of Tesla shares or whatever. So, but he's such a scumbag, you know, he doesn't say, well, we're, you know, we have to, we need to get the equity. He says, Oh, we have to make sure the debt is there. He's just a, he's a vile human being. You know, I, uh, I, I wish only the worst for him. You All know? right. And there aren't that... Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a nice optimistic note. We should we should just end it on that. Yeah, there aren't there aren't many people I say that about. You know, like Ross Gerber's a fucking moron, but I don't wish him ill will. He's an idiot. I don't know? wish he... anybody ill will. It's yeah, just... no, but I wish I wish Elon Musk ill will because he's hurt so many people. Not me. I mean, at this point, I've made back a big chunk of the money I lost, but no, he's. You know, he's hurt so many people physically with his crappy products or, you know, firing people, swatting employees, you know. Um, <laughs> remember when he you told, know, remember when he told the one employee, I'm going to nuke you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he would have if he if there was a, a speaking of which I do own that small nuke company. I don't want to plug it here, though. But any because it's it's a speculation. But anyway, yeah, if he had a nuke in his hand, yeah, he would have tossed it at that. Employee. I'm going to so, nuke you. Yeah, yeah. So. I, you know, I, I fully admit, uh, freely admit that I, he, he's really one of the few people in the world, other than maybe Putin, to which I actually have, you know, wish bad things will happen. You know, these other people, I just, I don't, I don't want anything. I don't care what happens to Kathy Wood. She's a fucking moron. She'll find her way down to the bottom. But Musk is a bad, bad guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't wish harm on anybody. That being said, not even you him? Know, people. No, I don't. I don't wish harm on anybody. I think people will. Okay. Reap, people will reap what they sow. And that's it, you know. And I will, that's, and well, I, I will true. comment on what happens or doesn't happen uh, accordingly, you know. And even then, I, you know, if he'd, something happened terrible to him, I wouldn't go out and say, "Oh, I'm glad this happened," whatever. But I just think that you sow your own karmic seeds, and then eventually, you know. Yeah, I, look, if something bad happened to Musk, I would never say that I'm glad it happened. But I would be glad it happened. Okay, Mark Spiegel, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> classing up the joint a little bit today. Spiegel, it was good talking to you, brother. Uh, let's do it again in a couple months, all right? Oh, listen, I'm ready. Oh, it's awesome. It's always fun. Thank you. You, gotta, you, don't, you don't have anything else you want to like say or plug or anything before we uh, end it? No, I don't, I don't have anything to plug. My new movie isn't coming out yet, so I'll, I'll come back for that. Okay, all right, very good. Mark Spiegel, thank you, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, well, I guess he hung up. <laughs> the one, the only Mark Spiegel. Happy to have him back on. It's been a minute. All right, fools. That was an hour and 40 minutes, man. I got shit to do today. You know what I mean? I got to have some dinner. I'm going to go about my life here a little bit. What do you think? I just fucking sit around and put these things together for your enjoyment? I got other shit to do. All right, rate the podcast one star on iTunes. The, the, the rating is getting too high. I saw it's like 4.5 or something. I'm like, you guys are not doing your job. Bury it. Just bury it. I'm already shadow banned on everything, and nobody fucking listens anyway, so who cares? With that being said, lovely to see you. Have a nice night. Peace.